You better prepare for this one. Why? You may think you know everything. He's an idiot. But I'm here to spill the truth. And I don't miss. History part of This is the tantalizing truth. Welcome back, everyone, to the seventh episode of The Tantalizing Truth. Nick Fader and Thomas Aiello here. Uh, Nick is getting ready to go play golf. We're actually recording this earlier than we usually do. It's 12.10 right now on the Saturday. Nick is going golfing later today, so he's uh, looking to alleviate his depressions from last night's <laughs> game. <laughs> Gotta get it all out the way. Oh, yeah. yeah Let's baby. jump right into it. Waste no more time. We'll save the Yankees for later on in the show. Let's talk about game five of the NBA Finals last night. The Miami Heat walk away 111 to 108. The series is now three to two in favor of the Lakers. Jimmy Butler, once again, masterful performance, 35 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. And he got a lot of help from Duncan Robinson, who added 26 points. Bam Adebayo had 13 points. Kendrick Nunn with 14, and Tyler Hero with 12 and Jay Crowder chipping in 11. Meanwhile, on the Lakers' side, LeBron James, 40 points and 13 rebounds, while Anthony Davis had 28 and 12, and he went down with an injury, among other antics from this Lakers team towards the end of the game with the Markeith Morris uh, brain-dead pass into the post. Danny Green with another brick shot. Nick, I think there's a good chance we can see this going to seven games with Miami playing the way that they are, and they're doing this without Goran Dragic. Do you think it's possible we can get ourselves a game six Miami Heat win? Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Probable might not be the right word for it. Possible, yes. What I am really impressed by is the fact that LeBron and AD combined for 68 points, and the Heat could still come out with a win. Um, But then the funny part is you look at Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson, who was the second leading scorer for Miami, they combined for 61. Um, so it wasn't too far off in, in, his, in terms of the two lead scorers. I'm really interested to see, you know, Jimmy played 47 minutes, oh, God. one minute off. I think in the past three games, he sat seven total minutes. The one thing I'm looking at with Miami that is a difference between LA is LA is expected to win. They are clearly the favorites and Miami's just been underdogs this whole, this whole season. I've said it so many times. The one thing I think that can save this team is the fact that they don't give a – they don't care that the Los Angeles Lakers are the Los Angeles Lakers. They're going out and playing the exact same way. They could have been down 3-0, down uh, 2-1, up 3-1, whatever it is. They are going out and playing the exact same game no matter the circumstances. And especially now, there's no better time to do that. It's win or go home for you. The Lakers – my biggest thing with them is, you know, they, I just don't think it's possible to see a LeBron James-led team blow a 3-1 lead. I just – I don't know if that's possible to beat him three games in a row like that when all he's got to do is win one. But it'll be – I mean, listen, it's a, it'll be an interesting thing. I'm, I think game six – game six is the pivotal game, really. But, again, game seven, you look at a guy like LeBron, he's been there before. The Heat haven't, but again, they're showing that that proves nothing. So I'm really pumped to see how this series is going to end. It feels like it's been going on forever. Well, that's the, that's the funny part now that we've got baseball going. you got a series 
of baseball that's done in three to five days. In the NBA, you got a series done in anywhere from five to ten days almost. But uh, I'm, I'm just pumped to see how the series is going to finish out, man. Yeah, uh, it would be something else. The Lakers somehow managed to blow a 3-1 lead. Coming full circle from 2016, oh, I, yeah. I highly doubt that's going to happen. And LeBron would never hear the end of it. That oh, would no, be, forget oh it. Oh, my gosh. But it's weird because you really can't count this championship for him, and I don't know if you can really count it against him. And I know you did say that this is probably the most difficult title to win in recent memory. It might be the most difficult title ever, but let's not forget that there's a lot of factors that have been eliminated. There's no fans, oh, no yeah. traveling. They're in a bubble, they're social distancing, quote unquote. So there's a lot of things that have been eliminated and it's a little easier for these players. But at the same time, it's also unlike anything that's ever been seen before. Yeah, for sure. So I'm not sure how you count this for or against anyone, honestly. I didn't care who was going to win it this year. I don't know how you can count it for or against them. Maybe if they come back and play with fans next year, and it's pretty much back to normal, then yeah, okay, I think the ring will have a stronger case, but I don't know how you can count for or against with this ring. But we also need to discuss the egregious Lakers role players last night. They were horrendous, egregious, despicable, embarrassing, useless. They were all of the above, all of my favorite words. Besides Caldwell Pope, who actually had 16 points, no one scored over 10. Yeah. And they were playing 20-plus minutes. I mean, Dwight Howard, he played 15 minutes, had two points, which is sad. Danny For me, Green, it's more he only had two rebounds. He's in yeah, the game. So, I don't care about his scoring as much. He's in the game to block shots and rebound, and that's not what he's doing either. He didn't so. even do that. And then, of course, you have Alex Caruso just proving why he's a meme. He gets three points <laughs> 23 minutes. I don't want to hear that he's good. He's a meme. Markeith Morris with the uh, dunce play of the day. Just oh, yeah. Airballing an entry pass into the post. AD, of course, was down for a bit. Had a lower body injury, we'll say that. Kuzma just did not step up. The antithesis player, that is Rajon Rondo, also not stepping up. And this just proves my point from the last show when I went on that rant about the Lakers role players just being pointless. And then you said there's no third party production and it's not consistent. Yeah. This just proves our point from last time. And mm-hmm. if they poop the bed again, LeBron's going to be in for a long game seven. <laughs> yeah, you know, and what, what scares me is <laughs> with the Lakers is that you had AD and LeBron combined for 68. And then you had, or I guess I could do the math like this. They had 68. Caldwell Pope had 16. So now you're looking at 84 points. And they scored 100, 108. So <laughs> three of their players had 84 of their 108 points. That's not going to fly. And no, they almost won. They almost won the game. So what I get scared for if, if you're rooting for the Miami Heat in this series is the fact that, well, you take away LeBron could score 30, AD could score 18, and you give 10 points to, I don't know, Danny Green or Caruso or Kuzma or any of those other guys, and maybe they, they get a win. But, yeah, again, I've said it so, so, so many times. I don't care how good LeBron James is, Anthony team Davis sport. is. Team, a team sport. sport. <laughs> Every single player that played for the Miami Heat except Andre Iguodala, who we know scoring is not his purpose on this team. Every player who played for the Heat, except Iguodala, had more than 10 points. Yeah, I mean... And they won the game. It was a close game, of course, but they won the game. Yeah, Iguodala is just kind of there at this point. He's more of a defensive uh, anchor, and he's an offensive decoy. But we have to give credit for Kendrick Nunn 
yeah. who all playoffs did not play, and Drogic goes down, and in comes, in comes the nun with his cross and bottle of Dasani holy water, and then bang, <laughs> they win game six. He contributes 14 points. Now, I know that Spolstra, obviously, Drogic is the better player than Nunn, but you got to admit, maybe if Nunn was in, in the series a little earlier, who knows? It could have definitely turned out a little different than it is now. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious because Spolster's a guy who's going with, I know he played how many guys? I think he played nine guys, eight I guys, so, seven yeah. guys. Wow. Holy crap. Wow. I thought it would be way more. He played seven guys. So I am curious. I mean, at this point, I don't know if Drogic's coming back, if maybe he comes back for a game seven, but do you change stuff up now? Because when Drogic, I mean, Drogic was out, obviously, but since none has been really getting more minutes, the, the, the Heat have done better in this series. So you really do want – I mean, it all comes down to next game, obviously. If you make it to a game seven, you've just won two games in a row. Do you try and switch stuff up to win a third, or do you keep going with what you have? I'm curious. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm also hoping for – Bam played 38 minutes, 13 points, four rebounds, four assists. I know he's got a goal against all these, all these big men on, on L.A. who are much more uh, intimidating factors in the paint than the Celtics were last series. But I'm kind of hoping for a little more out of him. You know, it's, he's, he's an all-star. He's the second-best player on this team, and there was not much production out of him. I get he's still coming off the injury, but I'm hoping he can kind of get more to them now because, frankly, I think they're going to need it. They're going to have to get everything out of everyone, the Heat, if they want to win. And, and Jimmy's been a friggin' one-man show for two, three games. I don't know how much more gas he's got in the tank. Certainly enough for two games, but he's got to get help. And he did get that last night. I think if we're going to compare – the DJ LeMahieu of the NBA. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Jimmy Butler. That guy's he. They're just machines. Those two. That is a, um, that's an interesting comparison. It is an interesting. We'll get to DJ LeMahieu and the Yankees later. But I am curious to see if Kelly Olynyk's going to get thrown in there because the last time he played, they yeah. they won and he played pretty good. So maybe that gives you another option uh, for the Lakers to try and defend. We also have to concern ourselves with the Anthony Davis. Uh, injury because he was he was in there the first quarter and then he had that injury to end it and then he was kind of sort of lollygagging around I wouldn't say that he was totally depleted but he was definitely limping around the floor at points of the game so there is a good chance that this could be a more significant diagnosis than we're led to believe do you think that's going to have any effect if he has to sit for game six? Oh well obviously um I don't think he's going to sit. I, I, I doubt it. I saw a funny, uh, funny thing. It was like Anthony Davis averages one injury scare per game, which is true. Oh, he's on the floor. He's on the floor at least once or twice a game. But for good reason. I mean, the guy is a friggin' beast. You can't, you, you can't stop him anywhere he is. You've got to foul him. You've got to hit him. You've got to play tough. And, I mean, that is Miami in a nutshell. They're a tough team. And they are small. They play grit and grind. You can't, you can't expect, as an Anthony Davis, to come in and not get a little banged up. And he is a little uh, not fragile as in his body, perhaps, not his state of mind. But I don't know if he's going to be able to play to a full potential if he's a little hurt and hobbling around. But just him being out there, it's, it's like what the Bulls did with Scottie Pippen when he was hurt with his back. Just having him on the court as a decoy yeah, is, is a scary friggin' sight, especially when you got to deal with a LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All that and more. Game six is going to be on Sunday, which I think is moronic on the NBA's part, trying to compete with the NFL. But that's a yeah. topic for another day. We have to cry now about yeah. the Yankees. 
Last night they lost two to one to the damn seven million dollar payroll yeah. Tampa Bay freaking Rays. Oh, I I have so many things to say, but before I do, Nick, please go. Please yeah, go. I would yeah, I would go love first. to uh I would love to not talk about it. My please biggest two my biggest two takeaways from this, and I've had the same takeaway from a lot of postseasons with the Yankees, are these two things. One, I hate Aroldis Chapman. I think Why? because we had Mariano Rivera, we can just not get blessed with a closer who can do things for us to get us through the playoffs. I think it's just a, a curse on the Yankees now. We had the GOAT, so we're just going to get screwed over with whoever comes in to try and close out a game. I don't like the idea of Boone going in in the seventh inning either. I think that was moronic. <laughs> the past two postseasons that Chapman has pitched in, he has given up the game-winning home run, whether it was a walk-off or in the bottom of the eighth. So I was watching that, and I was just so disgusted. I was at a loss of words. Then my second word, or my second takeaway is, all this hitting for what? You know, you got these guys, yeah, great, we can mash home runs. But you look at Judge's stats, you look at Stanton's stats. Stanton played great, Judge not so much. But they both, basically their only hits were home runs, and their other at-bats were strikeouts. That's not going to win you games in the postseason. It's not because the, the, the Tampa Bay Rays have the best pitching in baseball, and they showed that in the series. We could not do anything but strike out or hit our one home run, you know? And it's, it's just – it's so disappointing because our pitching is great too, but uh, it's, just, it's just not as good as the Tampa Bay Rays. And it does not matter that our – I look at our batting order on paper and I say, wow, we should kill anyone and anything that is thrown at the plate. It does not matter because the Rays pitching is better than our hitting. Pitching beats hitting any day of the week. It has been proven time in and time out in the playoffs. I don't know. Yes, Garrett Cole was a freaking animal. He was nowhere near our issue. But we, we could not hit because the Rays pitching was better than ours. It did not matter that we had better bats. So I would love to see some sort of change in, in, in dynamic, whether it's with our rosters, who's going to come in and swing a bat like, like LeMahieu can, because that guy doesn't give a shit about, excuse my language, striking out or <laughs> hitting a home run. He wants to get on base. He does whatever he needs to do to get on base. That is why he's a batting champion. We got to, I think, get more guys like that because I'm sick of seeing, I, I look at a Stanton, Voight, and Judge and almost like, oh God, we're either hitting a home run or we're striking out, man. And in the ninth inning, that's exactly what we did. Yeah, I could go on and on, but your turn, your turn, please enlighten us with your thoughts. The first two things I want to say is, number one, besides Chapman and Britain, the Yankees literally have the most idiotic relief pitchers that you can find, okay? Yeah, Jonathan Loisaga is <laughs> a, a, a shit show. He is just horrible. Luis Sessa, eh, like, he should be pitching. He can be a good pitcher when the Yankees are up 25 zillion runs or they're down 25 zillion runs. I don't know why Davey Garcia didn't pitch, and he was thrown in that bullpen to, to sit there and watch. I would not have minded him coming in for long relief and then yeah. written in Chapman 8 and 9. The next issue that I have, Tommy Canely, Luis Severino, and Domingo Herman just yeah, dead. Okay, yeah. That was my other problem. If Domingo Herman assuming he's allowed back after beating up his girlfriend. Oh my gosh. I say they throw him in the bullpen. I think that can, he can definitely be a long relief guy, but I don't know if they're going to do that. Severino obviously coming back will help things. Same with Canely, but Chad, where was Chad Green last night? Well, Chad Green is 
he, one of he's the most guy who I'm not a big fan of. bullpen pitchers of all the Yankees pitchers. He's either right yeah. on or right off, man. That's what yeah. I always worry about with him. But when he's on, dude, he you can't touch him. You and you've got to think – you've got to just assume with a team who has been to the playoffs time in and time out that this guy will come for his inning of pitching and he will do what he needs to do. That's what you should expect. And just like I was expecting it with Chapman, but I, then at the same time, I was like, why the hell is this guy in in the seventh inning? You know, I mean, yeah, you, I, could, I you could Chapman point fingers at Boone early. all day. You could point fingers at any of the players. But at the end of the day, I mean, the Rays played better baseball. That was that was kind of it, and their pitching was the main reason for that. You know, it was it's. I I can't believe. I mean, I was almost laughing at you. You always talked. You talk about how good Nick Anderson was, and he was the only guy we could get a home yeah, run. Yeah, other than of. that, we could score a run. I know. I was. He I was like a point five ERA. He's amazing. Yep. And we. That's the guy we hit, and that was the only thing we hit. I think we had what three hits on the game, maybe, maybe. four. Um, well, maybe he wasn't one of those people. Yeah, unfortunately. But <laughs> went, him going over four does not help. But yeah. here's my 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 biggest issue that I had last night. Pulling Kyle Higashioka was probably the dumbest move this whole year. Okay. It's bad enough that they think Labor Torres can play shortstop. That's that's bad enough. And it's also bad enough that Brett Gardner starting in left field over Clint Frazier in a game where you have to score runs and you know it's an offensive struggle. Yeah, I, I kind of but agree with that as well. pulling Kyle Higashioka was literally the dumbest thing that Aaron Boone did last night. I don't care about anything else. That was literally the most idiotic move. He is – he might be a better catcher than Gary Sanchez. Oh, there's a, a good chance. A there's catcher, a good 100%. chance that that's a thing. You mean, yeah, there's 100% he, he's a better catcher. The, the question is, for me, what I was confused about was – I get Mike Ford is this big home run pop oh, that was guy. Stupid too. But what is the point of having this guy come up? And he took one swing as a pinch hitter and struck out. What is the point? You know, you waste you like, I would rather Hickey be up there. Cause I, I would have a feeling he was going to at least try and do something, you know? And even at the same time, I'd almost rather pinch hit Gary instead of him. Cause you know, Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, well, but no, that's no, the no, thing, no, dude. No, no, no. In a game where we know as the, as the friggin' New York Yankees, it's a home run or nothing for us. I've, I've come way too comfortable with that, and it's so disappointing, and I want a change. But we've become so comfortable and used to that being a reality that I would have rather seen Gary Sanchez than Mike Ford. I'm not sure what the pitching matchup looked like. I, that, that part I can't speak for. I was, when I saw Mike Ford get up, he had one, at, one or two at-bats the whole postseason. And I and I know obviously I'm not a pro, but I know from experience playing baseball, if you are, have been sitting on a bench for two three weeks, and go and have to swing in the biggest moment of the game or in one of the biggest moments of the game, you're going you're to not going to do it. You're, you're not going to do fail. it. <laughs> so I just uh, certain I don't know, man. I get being Fraser a manager was is red tough, hot but, the first you know, uh, and and then he didn't play. It's very interesting to me. Clint Frazier, I think. Uh, who always says it? I think Michael Kay always says it. He, Clint Frazier is the best bench player in the league. If he was no on doubt. any other team, he would be a starter. He is the best bench player in the league. He's probably going to start if Gardner, uh, if they don't decide to bring him back, but I highly yeah. doubt that they – I think they will bring Gardner going, back, but, but I think – There's no way they don't bring him crazy, back. crazy, man, if they don't start. I mean, Gardy's I, – I love the guy, but I think he's 36, maybe going on 37. Yeah, he's still got uh, the occasional pop in his bat, but – uh, what's the point in playing him? 
See, see, see what Clint Frazier can do for a longevity of time, you know? We've seen what Gardy does for 10, 11 seasons now. I want to see what Clint Frazier can bring because, frankly, Gardy's not bringing anything crazy anymore, you know? I mean, what I to guess he does worth, bring. a worthy starter. He plays great what, defense. Plays yeah. great defense. We, we would have lost that game 3-1 last night if it wasn't for him. But yeah, he definitely saved that home run. That was ridiculous, man. Yeah, that was a good catch. I was amped. The judge, the judge one was horrible. Oh, and yeah. I do have to kind of give him a pass because I don't know what moron designed Petco Park where you yeah. put the freaking wall and you have to hit your head to jump. I think that's really stupid. I thought, I thought he got injured. <laughs> I did too. I thought he I'm got like, injured oh, God, knowing that guy. Uh-oh. But yeah, I, I don't know. Here's my biggest issue, Nick. And I, I really hope you agree. Yeah. Forget everything we just talked about. With Torres not being a shortstop, Gardner, Clint Frazier, judges hitting his head, among other dumb things, and the pitching. Alan Hahn said this. I, I was listening last night to um, his IGTV video from the Barton Allen show. There comes a point in time where you have to play actual baseball. Yeah. And I don't care what the fucking numbers tell you. I really don't. I don't <laughs> care what they tell you. There comes a point where you have to use basic baseball logic. I think analytics infecting all of our sports. Oh, 100%. That's the worst thing the that NBA. has happened. You look at the NBA. Worst thing that has happened. Stats aren't allowed anymore. Like the only advanced stat I like, too, actually, is the plus minus, which determines okay, is this guy better on when they're on the floor when they're off the floor, and player efficiency rating PER, which gets everything down to one number. Other than that, I hate analytics. It's 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 terrible, man. Stupid. When was the last time you heard a team of athletes? Any sport. When was the last time a bunch of fucking math nerds went out there with their calculators and their pe- papers and pad and won you a baseball game? I won't tell me. Someone tell. Uh, listen, I'm sure in the long run, nerds win a baseball game. Tell me who. Yeah. Someone tell me. I'm sure in the long run, the the analytics can help, but in the playoffs, I think you got to throw all that away because yeah, you know, you know, this game had no hits until the fifth inning. Or maybe it was the bottom of the fourth when Judge hit the home run. I think, yeah, bottom of the fourth. There were no hits through four or through basically four innings. Not a single hit. Not a single, single, single hit. There were a couple walks, but there was not a single hit. You knew this game was going to be a pitcher's duel, a complete dogfight to see who was going to basically be able to sneak away a, a, a home run or a sack fly or whatever it is. That's when I – I mean, obviously, everyone loves seeing high-scoring baseball games, but – what I get sick of, man, is oh, the, 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 it's just like the timeouts in the, in the end of the fourth quarter in an NBA game. The, the pause of, oh, this batter's pinch hitting. Oh, now I got to bring in this pitcher. This pitcher's here. You know, yeah, if you got to switch from a lefty to a righty, sure. But relax with the analytics. Keep guys in who have been playing. That's what baseball is about. It's hot and cold. It's not – I mean, why does G-Man Choi not want people to talk about Garrett, him hitting Garrett Cole? Because as soon as you talk about it, he's going to suck. He's going to suck. And you know what happened? The announcers talked about him last night, and he'd not get a hit off of Garrett Cole. I know. He was in over 500 off of the, arguably the best pitcher in baseball. And because the announcers brought it up last night, no. They talk so, about his analytics. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, show Fire the, the analytics team. <laughs> show the analytics, of course, because they are important to see. I was scared when I saw he was 526, but I see it. I don't care enough anymore. I don't need you to talk about it. That's one of the things I hate about MLB announcers. They want the bad stuff to happen. Oh, G-Man Choi, five five twenty six batting average is 
he's a dangerous hitter for Garrett Cole to be facing. Like, yeah, we, we, we know. We know. So shut up. Like, I, I think Alan most, I think most fans made, yeah. can agree with that statement. But. I also have to say Alan Hahn made a good comparison. He called the Yankees the Houston Rockets of baseball. Oh, hell like yeah. A home run or strikeout or walk. That's, Three points. That, that's nothing. not what you, – you can't build a team, especially in the playoffs. You cannot outslug these teams in short series, especially a defensive jug like the Rays where they have Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow are the three yeah. starters. Okay, and they're in top Absolutely. pitchers. And then the bullpen, Nick Anderson, Diego Castillo, Peter Fairbanks, uh, Ryan Yarbrough. They have incredible arms. And they just – it's a strikeout factory. Yeah. No, so I, just... I don't know why you think you're going to out – you can just outslug this great team with the pitching, and they know that that's your only strategy. You have to play – you have to play throwback baseball here. The analytics have just infected it, like coronavirus has infected America. Yeah. Seriously, it, it's bad. I think they're ridiculous for every sport too. Like what, who cares about exit velocity? If the ball goes outside of the park, that's a home run. <laughs> I don't care how fast it left the park. I don't care about spin rate. I don't care about shifts. Can you play baseball for once without yeah. the numbers getting in the way? Is that possible? All right, it's time for our week five NFL picks of the week where Nick and I try to predict the winners and the outcomes for all of the NFL games. They're going to be happening this weekend. Before we begin, um, we have two Monday night football games. Broncos, Patriots are going to be at 5 o'clock, and I think that's going to be called by the college crew, so that's uh, Chris Fowler. And then the Chargers-Saints is, of course, the regularly scheduled evening game with Steve Levy once again screaming. And then we have a Tuesday night football game, Bills and the Titans, but there's a good chance that that gets canceled because of COVID-19 concerns, so let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's jump right into it. Our first matchup of the one o'clock games, Jags versus the Texans. I'm picking the Jaguars here. James Robinson is going to pick apart this poor Texans team, Nick, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. Yeah, I, uh, I just have absolutely no faith in the Texans. The Jags, again, aren't a great team. They have not been as bad as people have thought, so I've got Jacksonville taking this one. Minshew mania. Shout out to the stash. <laughs> Bengals versus the Ravens. I'm Ravens are just going to annihilate the Bengals, but I would like to see a good quarterback matchup between Joe Burrow, sleepy Joe Burrow and uh, Lamar Jackson. I think that's the matchup we're looking for, but I'm going with the Ravens. Yeah, I, I guess kind of to agree with you there, I'm, I'm 100% thinking the Ravens win, but the Bengals could maybe bring a sneaky sort of uh, competitiveness to this game. I think they are much more competitive than a lot of people give them credit for, but again, I don't see them really having any sort of means to beat Baltimore. So Ravens taking that one. Panthers, Falcons, you always pick the Falcons. I'm going to pick the Panthers because I need Robbie Anderson to go off. Uh, I don't trust the Falcons team at this point. They got annihilated by my Packers last week. I'm going with the, uh, with the, with the Cats. Atlanta, it is your week, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going with the Falcons over the Panthers. They're 0-4. Let's get it to 1-4, boys. ATL. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's all I have. Raiders versus the it. Chiefs. Uh, this could be an interesting game. Battle of the running backs. Josh Jacobs versus Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It is the champs, so I'm going with the Chiefs. Yeah, every, every time I think I see Chiefs versus anyone, I think I'm basically picking Chiefs here, man. Uh, I don't see really anyone really even upsetting them. Chiefs are the Chiefs. They're the champs for a reason. Kansas City taking this one. Here's a fun matchup. This might be the hardest game of the week. Ready? Yeah. Cardinals versus the Jets. <laughs> the Cardinals are going to win. 
<laughs> the Cardinals are going to Yeah, win. you know, man, I'm really excited to see – I'm really excited to see Adam Gase's great offensive uh, plans. <laughs> but No, absolutely not. All jokes aside, the Cardinals are winning this one. Fire Adam Gase at this point, Jets. <laughs> there you go. Eagles versus the Steelers. Uh, Eagles coming off an impressive win versus a banged-up Niners team. Uh, the Niners did give them a run for the money, but somehow the Eagles pulled it off. Considering what the Steelers do to top running backs, uh, Miles Sanders might get killed in this game, so Steelers all the way. Yeah, you know, I think it could be a potential good game. The Steelers have obviously have a great record, but they've, they haven't beat any super talented football teams so far, but the Eagles are not exactly that. So um, I think Pittsburgh's going to take this one. Rams versus the Washington football team to round out our list of one o'clock games. This is another matchup of the two high-powered offensive teams. I'm gonna I'm gonna think that the Rams will outshoot the football team in this one. Yeah, I don't I don't even maybe you do, but I don't consider Washington as a high-powered offense. I just think that their offense is much better than their defense. The Rams did not have a great offensive week against the Giants last week, still enough to take the win, but I see them torching the football team and coming out with the win. Moving on to our 405 to 425 start time for games. Dolphins versus the Niners. Uh, Debo Samuel is back and ready to go. There is some sort of ailment he is dealing with right now, but I assume he's going to be healthy come, come game time. The Dolphins are actually a lot more competitive. I'm going to take the Niners here, but I think this is going to be a really close game, Nick. Yeah, again, the Niners still aren't 100% healthy. The Dolphins have been much better than people thought, similar to like what I said with the Jags. But the Niners are a better football team at the end of the day. I think they're, they're taking the win. Giants, your Giants versus the Cowboys. I'm picking the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, you know, man, I was real tempted to, to, to go with my gut here and, and give Big Blue a hopeful first dub. If it could happen against anyone, it's the Cowboys. But I don't know. If you just look at the matchups, Dallas is just a, a better football team. Um, so I got to pick against the G-Men and go with the Cowboys. Well, Stephen A. says the Cowboys are an accident waiting to happen. So uh, I hope. Maybe, maybe it happens week. in week five. Maybe. maybe. I'm fine with being wrong with this pick for a Giants stuff. <laughs> and uh, our final four o'clock hour games, Colts versus the Browns. I'm actually going to go with the Browns here considering the week they had last week and especially with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Finally both playing well. And I think the Browns defense is going to shut down the Colts running backs. Naeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor are going to have a tough time. So I'm going with the, the boys from Cleveland. They're going with the Browns. I'm going opposite here. Uh, I'm going with the Colts. Okay. I don't think the Browns are going to replicate what they did last week, especially with the Colts defense being pretty strong so far this season. That is true. Um, Browns have been spectacular. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but I've, I don't know if I've ever even picked the Colts to win a game, and they have proved me wrong. So I'm going to give them credit now, and I'm, I'm rocking with Indy. Moving on to the NFL game of the week at 820 on NBC. I assume Al Michaels is coming back for this one because this is going to be a game he has to call. Vikings versus the Seahawks. This is an offensive shootout. Um, I'm going with the Vikings, actually. I need my man Dalvin Cook, Chef Dalvin, you know, cons- one of the most consistent running backs in the NFL. And I think the Vikings are hungry to build upon their week four win versus the Texans. So I'm going with the Vikings here. I've got the Seahawks. Uh, I think they're going to stay undefeated. Russell Wilson right now is, is my MVP. I mean, I love that dude, but I think the Seahawks are a better football team. Uh, I think their defense is better than the Vikings. Like you said, I agree. I think it could be a shootout. But at the end of the day, I think the Seahawks just 
have more on both sides of the football. So I'm rocking with Seattle. Moving on to our Monday night games, the five o'clock game, of course, as previously mentioned, Broncos versus the Patriots. This is battle of the injured teams. Unfortunately, Stephen Gilmore is out with COVID-19 as well as Cam Newton. The Patriots are riding with backup quarterbacks. It did not look good last week versus the champs. And the Broncos have their fair share of injuries. Noah Fant is going to be out. Of course, Cortland Sutland is out. So Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, who's coming back, are going to be heavily relied upon, as well as Jerry Judy. I'm going with the Broncos here. And I think that the combination of Gordon, Judy, Patrick, and of course, Philip Lindsay is going to outduel the Patriots. This week is weird with these guys, two heavily injured teams. I just think if you look at the Pats, specifically because Cam is out, that's what I think kind of really makes them weak. And Gilmore, I mean, he's one of the best corners in the league. So I initially had the Pats. I wasn't sure if Cam was going to be back, but he's not playing this week. I'm going with the Broncos. Chargers Saints, our second Monday night game. Michael Thomas is expected to come back. I think he's still listed as questionable, but I'm going with the Saints here. Eckler is still out. I think he's doubtful. And sure, Keenan Allen is out there with um, Hunter Henry and Justin Herbert, who's now officially been named the full-time starting quarterback for the Chargers. So uh, shout out to the Herbs for taking over poor Tyrod Taylor, who got destroyed by his own team doctor. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, nothing to laugh about, but I think it's just pretty wild that they, the NFL allowed that to happen. But I'm going with the Saints here. I think they're due. They're due for a win, and I think they're going to get it versus the Chargers. Yeah, I got the Saints too. I think Eckler being down is going to kill the Chargers in the, the day. He's one of their best offensive weapons. If the Saints get Thomas back, uh, even if he's not putting up his typical Michael Thomas numbers, he's just a threat standing on the football field alone. Um, <laughs> yeah, New Orleans is taking this one for me. And the Tuesday night football game, the seldom occurrence that this ever happens, the Tuesday night football game, Bills versus the coronavirus Titans. Hopefully this game plays because the Titans just don't seem to care about any sort of protocols that are put in place. But I'm going to go with the Bills, assuming they do play. Uh, I think the Bills are just a much more talented team. I think their defense will struggle with Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown for the Titans. He is expected to come back, so maybe the Bills defense is in for a surprise this week. But I think they'll be able to stick it out. I think Josh Allen is just going to drag him, Stefan Diggs. They're going to drag those, he's going to drag those two to a win. So Bills for me. Yeah, uh, I've been riding with the Bills all season. Um, I think Josh Allen's been great. Their defense, obviously great. Titans have been great too. Um, you know, I think it'll be a great football game. I just really love Buffalo this season, so that's my pick. And now we're going to move on to our fantasy players of the week, our busts and booms. Nick and I also give fantasy football advice on the player that we think is going to be amazing and the player that we think is going to be horrible. Nick, I'm going to start with you. Who do you have just crap in the bed this week? Who's your bust of week five? I'm going Devontae Parker. I think, you know, he's, he's a good receiver for Miami, but the Niners' defense, they're not as healthy as they want to be, but they are still a presence. I think they're going to be able to shut Parker down. I think they're going to be able to shut Miami down as a whole. Um, so I think Devontae Parker is, is my bust of the week. That's actually a really good one. I, um, I mean, yeah, like you said, their, second, their entire defense, their entire team pretty much is depleted. I mean, getting Debo back is huge. That's only yeah. one guy. Mostert is questionable. But, uh, you know, of course, there's no Bosa. Uh, they're missing a whole bunch of guys. I think Sherman's out. Who else are they? I can't even think. 
so many guys. I'm actually going to go with Miles Sanders as my bust of the week. He was not good last week. I don't think he's going to be good versus the Steelers this week. Um, no the, Eagles, the Eagles just are not a good team. I mean, credit to them for winning last week versus the 49ers, but I don't think they're going to have any chance versus the, versus the Steelers this week. Now let's move on to our boom players of the week. Who is going off? Nick, who you got? I'm trusting the Giants. He, he was your bust last week, and I believe that is what he did. Darius Slayton is my boom. Oh Cowboys secondary is nothing to be uh, happy about down there in Dallas. I see Dallas stomping us, of course, just because their offense is, is going to do whatever they want. <laughs> but Slayton, he has been quiet since that first week against the Steelers for the Giants. I believe he has all, if not all but one of our touchdowns this season. So I see him kind of being able to get back there. Danny Jones loves, loves throwing to him, hoping I get to see a couple of touchdowns, some big yardage out of him, and he's my boom. That's actually a really good pick. I'm actually going to go with DeAndre Hopkins of the Cardinals. Uh, nice. Playing the Jets <laughs> this week. So I can never go wrong. You can never go wrong when someone's playing the Jets. <laughs> and Hopkins is a top two receiver in the NFL whose name is not Michael Thomas. So I expect Kyler, Kenyon Drake to have a bounce back week. And of course, Hopkins is going to be just running circles around those poor Jets secondary players. And Adam Gase is going to go, but I'm still brilliant. <laughs> he thinks he's brilliant, but he's not. Um, I don't think they're going to game plan at all for Hopkins. I think Andy Isabella could have a really good week this week too. Yeah. The Jets team is just so bad. Other, Kyler will start throwing to random there. people. Could happen. Could happen. Yeah. So we'll see. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on the Tantalizing Truth Show. For Nick Feta, I am Thomas Aiello. Make sure you guys follow us on all of the social medias. Our Twitter is at the tantalizing capital T and the capital T and tantalizing. Make sure you follow on Instagram at the tantalizing truth show. Always posting new content there. Make sure to follow on Spotify and make sure to leave a rating and subscribe on Apple podcast. We could always use the clout. We work hard on this. We'll see you guys later. Thanks.